Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? How's everyone doing this morning? No? Is it a bad day? You don't have to lie to me if you want to tell me the truth. If you're not having a good day, it is okay. Uh, well, for those, welcome. I'm Joseph Aiken, one of the pastors here on staff. For those of you, I know it's been a few months since I've seen you. Uh, I've been out because of the baby. Uh, he is big, healthy, greedy, uh, getting chubby like babies are supposed to do, and keeping us up at night. You know, three to four hours of sleep is what we get. You know, we just keep praying this too will pass, right? And so we're in this series called Revive the Stones. For those, if this is your first week here or your first time here, we are excited that you're here. We see you as gifts, not just guests. And, we, and you've come into like the meat of this family kind of sermon series where we're walking through this capital campaign series. And yes, we will talk a little bit about money. When you're talking about capital campaigns, there's no way around it. Right? You have to talk about money. Right? But the exciting thing is knowing that at this point in Nehemiah, the, the, the wall has been built, but there's still work to be done. The church is going to get built, but it doesn't stop there. So we don't want to get caught up on like, oh, well, it's all about the building. No, it's bigger than that because there's so much more ministry that has to come after that. Amen? Amen? I know it's been a while, but you know, I like for y'all to talk back to me now. You got to talk back to me. I got to hear your beautiful voices. All right. So for those that don't know, we do answer questions uh, in our podcast. And so the number is on this screen and it'll be on some of the other screens as we go through the sermon. Uh, Please send your questions. Good questions, bad questions. You know, there are none of those. We'll answer all of them. We'll touch on them. We love the questions now. You know, we got some good setups and stuff, so things are looking nice, and we'll eventually start probably doing some videos so y'all can actually see some of our facial expressions and how I look at Chris and how Katie looks at me and all those good things. So it's, it's good, right? But we love you guys. Please send your questions here if you have questions for us. Amen? Amen. All right, so y'all are listening. All right, and so real quick, this past summer, uh, you know, dealing with a wife in her third trimester and then for a season, we were living with my mother. Some of you know that story. And my mother, uh, she's a member of the church now, but she, she had me for, like putting up ceiling fans when I was about seven or eight years old. Remember I told y'all that? Uh, it was a while ago. Well, now, you know, she has more ceiling fans this past summer. She said, Joseph, I need you to put these up. Yes, ma'am. So I'm putting up the ceiling fans, right? And I've been doing this for 30 years, right? You know, it sounds good to say that. I've been doing this for 30 years. I know how to put up ceiling fans. I don't need directions anymore. This is what I do. Put up ceiling fans, even though they change every now and then, you know, black wire, blue wire, white wire, red wire. That's all they have. Connect those, do the blades, you're good to go. Every now and then, you may get a little wobbly one because you did something wrong. and Like, it's fine. You know, it's fine. As long as it blows air and doesn't fall on you, you're good. <laughs> right? And so she asked me to put like three or four fans every four or five years. She just buys new ceiling fans and I put them up for her. And I'm putting up this ceiling fan. And I'm going through all the, you know, my steps that I've done for 30 years, my experience of doing what I do. I got this, right? I'm putting up the ceiling fan. I get to it. Uh, every blade, every screw, nothing was extra. I had all my stuff. And I went to go turn on the light switch after turning on the power, and the fan did not spin. You know, that's never happened to me. <laughs> this is what I do, you know. <laughs> and, and so I go, I said, golly, you know. God, I'm going to take this whole fan down. I'm frustrated that my mom and I'm frustrated that I got to do this. Because it does take time. Even though it seems it takes a little bit of time. Especially when you're doing it by yourself. You got to hold up. You got to switch. Just different things like that. So I go and I take every blade off. I take the fan down. I do all the different things. And I say, oh, I got to read the doggone directions to see what's going on. Nobody wants to read the directions. Am I the only one that don't like reading directions? 
Y'all, y'all read directions? Who, re- who reads directions first? Stop lying. So, so, so whenever they do the, uh, when they say, do you agree to these terms of agreement? Do you just check the box or you read everything that they, y'all read everything? Oh my goodness. All right. Well, you know, y'all, those are really, really saved folks that read everything. They don't want to lie when they check the box, right? I don't read all that. I just check. Hopefully they don't ask for my life. Or half my money. But anyway, so I, I read the directions, and I, and I go through all that, and I put the fan back up, and the fan comes on, of course, magically, you know, when you read the directions, who would have thought that's, that's what happens? But honestly, this is what happens with us. Well, we're not reading God's word, right? And so we can't respond to God how God calls us to respond to God, or we can't be faithful to God how God called us to be faithful to God. Well, for the first reason I put, we don't read our word. Like, we can't be faithful to God because we're not reading his word. You can't respond to God uh, if you don't know who he is, if you're not spending time with him. Like, we respond to him by reading his word, by praising, by worshiping, by confessing our sins. Chris talked about that last week. That's how we respond to God. And so if you're not in your word, if you're not reading the directions before you get to the situation, then you get to the situation wondering why it doesn't work how you thought it would work. Well, that's because you didn't read your word. Secondly, I put because, well, we are our own word. Like me, I don't like reading directions, and I think I can do this myself because I've been doing it long enough. I've gone through enough. I've experienced life enough where I know how to kind of gra- ga- navigate through life the way I need to navigate through life. I know what works for me. So I am my own word. I can do this. I can handle this, God. I, I know how to make it on my own. I know how to handle this situation. I know what will work and what will not work. And so I become my own work. And lastly, uh, we allow the word of the world to speak to us. Culture teaches us how to react. Culture tells us that the Bible and religion and all the different things, God, you're your own God. Be your own God. So we listen to culture. This archaic book, how can we even really expect to get what we need in life from this something that was written thousands of years ago happened thousands of years ago the stories that are in it they're just stories that can't change your life that's what the world the world teaches us about the word and so that's where we're going on this morning uh and i really want to jump into this because it's a lot of text um and it's important for us for us to understand who god is and i really want us to understand that we have to respond to god with his word. And so just a reminder for those who aren't, haven't been here, remember there's a wall being built, the wall has been built. They, they've celebrated with his feast for, you know, it's a spiritual revival going on. They're like worshiping and praising him and everything. And here we are, this, this, this story takes place two days later. So after worshiping all these days, they take a 24-hour break and they're like, all right, let's jump back into the word. Let's go back and get at it. So that's where we are. If you pray for me, just that God will use me high beam behind the cross, that your ears will hear what God has for us on this morning. Amen. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we love you. God, we praise you. You are wonderful to be praised. God, there is no name above your name. And so we thank you for that. God, I pray as we jump into this word, God, that we can respond to it in a godly way. God, that we can respond to your word with your word, God, that we can trust you as your word. And what you said to be so, it will be so. So, God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, if you will, I know this is old school, but I grew up in a church, uh, and I haven't asked you to do this, but I'm going to ask you to stand. 
for the reading of God's word, right, on this morning. Get you a little bit uncomfortable on this morning. I know it's been a while. We're going to start at Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. We're going to stand for the reading of God's word. So follow along with me. Now on the 24th day of this month, people of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and their iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place. and They read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, their God, for the quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord, their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood them guys. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord, their God. Verse 5. Then the Levites and their mother guys <laughs> said, Stand up <laughs> and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all the blessings and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in, in, in it. And the, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the hosts of heaven worship you. You are the Lord, the God who, who, chose Abraham, who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found the heart, his heart faithful before, him, before you, made him the covenant to give to his offsprings the land of Canaanites, the Hittites, and all the mother people. And, and you have kept your promise, for you are righteous." Y'all don't have to follow along with me because there's a skip, so don't. Verse 9. So if you have your Bibles, you're gonna just, or you're just going to be listening to me. This is how they did it then. They just listened. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers, and you made a name for yourself as it is today. You divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And you cast the... You cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud, you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night, to light for them the way in which you should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them their whole, your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock of their thirst. You told them to go and possess the land that you sworn to give them. And they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their necks and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. They, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return, their slavery in, to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies. You and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud led them in the way, uh, led them in the way, did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light them the way by which they should go. You should, you gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. And you gave the kingdoms of peoples and a lot of them to every corner, so they took possession of the land of Sion, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars in heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. 
So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them their hand, their kings, and the peoples of the land that they might do, that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and rich land and took possession of houses full of, of good things, cisterns and already homes, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees and abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed the prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed, their, they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hands of their enemies who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you. And you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave, this, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hands of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil against be, again before you. And you abandoned them to the hands of the enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet, when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you delivered them from to your mercies, and you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules. Which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and warned them of your spirit through your prophets. Yet they would not give in. Therefore, you gave them into the hands of the peoples of the land. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them for your gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardships seem little to you that you have come upon, come upon us, upon your kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that you have come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them, even in, our, even in their own kingdom. And amid your great goodness that you gave them in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings from you have set over us because of our sins. They rule of, over our bodies and over our livestock. They please as they please, and we are in great distress. Because of all of this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. May God add a blessing to the reading, the readers, hearers, and doers of his words. You can sit down. How you feel? You okay? Yeah, when I did it outside service, they were looking at me crazy. Just like y'all probably were looking at me. That's why I didn't look up, because I didn't want to see you. <laughs> but it's, it's funny, though, how our response to the reading of God's word right here. And we're going to go over it again. But you think about it. They had a six-hour service. A six-hour. Anybody ever been to a six-hour church service? I have. That's why I have my hand up. It ain't fun. But you, it, it's, it's how you respond to God's word and this idea of, this is the word of God that we're reading. Right? In this moment, for six minutes, how many of us got distracted from reading God's word? How many of us said, ooh, is he going to stop at verse 10, 11? He's going to keep going and going. Oh, he's about to put his Bible down. He's going to stop. I tricked you. <laughs> right? Six minutes. Just six. A commercial break, maybe. You know, six minutes. 
And those, our minds begin to wander and go other places. And, and, and here you have this people. They've literally came out of worshiping God only to go into another worship service. The Bible tells us for six hours. They read their word for three of them. They confessed for another three of them. Because of who God is. Because of the awesomeness of who God is. Amen? We, we have to respond to God's word a little bit differently. Six minutes did that to us. What about six hours? God, can I worship you for 30 minutes? God, can I praise you and give you all the glory that's due to you for more than six minutes? So watch, watch, watch what this says when we go through this. Now on the 24th day, again, they took one day rest. If you look at chapter 8, they stopped on the 22nd day, took the 23rd, say, hey, all right, we're going to chill, we're going to eat, we're going to do whatever. Now let's hop back in on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. If you're not familiar with what's going on, when you have the sackcloth, when you hear that, that's them mourning. So they've read God's word, they've, they've been reading God's word, and their response is mourning. Why? After reading God's word over and over, we see in these chapter 8 and chapter 9, this is the third time that they've read the book of the law. First we see them celebrating, worshiping, and now they're mourning. Why do you mourn for reading God's word? Because what the word should do, it should, ref- it should show you who you are and, and who, what you're not doing right. It should reveal the darkness of your heart to you. And they're at this point, they realize, man, we're jacked up. We're jacked up. Our daddies are jacked up. They daddies were jacked up. <laughs> we all jacked up. And see, it goes back. Look, this is eh, about 400 B.C. What they're addressing in this prayer is about 1400 B.C., thousand years before they went back. That's how far they went back to mourn over their sins and their father's sins and their mess ups. This cycle, they're like, hey, we got to break this. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their father. Again, the response to reading God's word, mourning, separating themselves from the world, from culture, not allowing the culture to speak into it. And they stood up in their place and read the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. And I know some of you all feel the thing, isn't Joseph a math God, numbers God, quarter of the day? Remember, the, so Jewish day is about 12 hours. So quarter of the day would be three hours. So I don't want y'all to think I don't know how to count or none of that. So three hours they read God's word, standing up. Look, they stood up. See, I made y'all stand for six minutes. Y'all was about near ready to walk out of church. You can be real with me. For another quarter of the day, they made confession. And Chris talked about this a little bit last week. But the word of God makes you want to reveal some of the darkness of your heart to others. How messed up and how jacked up you are. You should want to do that after reading. That's a response to the reading of God's word. They read his word first. Had a little worship service, a little word for three hours. You know, they might have tag teamed them, Levites, all them guys that I told you about. They up there preaching and stuff and they're hearing it. People are like, man, I got to confess some things, some some messed up, some shortcomings, some places in my heart, and my mind, some actions that I've done. i got to tell you about it. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, y'all want me to read them, Bani, Gadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunny, Sherebiah, Bani, and Shanani, and they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites and them other guys, just to save time, they stood up. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. They're acknowledging who God is. He's the beginning, he's the end, he's everything. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. One of the things I really, really like about this is the unity of the saints and the leaders and things, that there has to be unity. As we're going through this, there can't be division. 
How do we know that, that there's unity? Because they stood up and they said it together. So this was something prepared. Like, we're going through this capital campaign, and I understand you mad at the staff and the elders and the pastors while we're moving all that stuff, but if there's no unity, we can't go forward if we're not together. And that's what God is calling us to. It's like, how are we responding to the word? You know what? When I don't like someone, I got to get in my word because I need to know, okay, God, is this rightfully like I shouldn't like this or whatever, or is this me? Are you revealing something about my heart? And so the first point is this. Their response to God's word was worship. They literally respond to reading God's word with more word. Like, hey, I want to get into this. I want to learn more, God, about you and who you are and what you are. I told y'all that this week, or really the past few weeks, like me and the wife, we literally send like our little sleep reports to each other and say, oh, how much did you get today? Oh, I only got two hours and a half. Oh, I got three hours. I kind of beat you, so I thank you. Like we literally all through the week, she, one day this week, she got like an hour and 24 minutes. I'm like, I'm sorry. She let everybody know the whole day. I got an hour and 24. Don't mess with me right now. But uh, because of that, we tend to be short, shorter with each other, just like we can be snappy with each other, with the kids. We understand this is a season, but we try to love on each other well. And uh, it's hard with the kids because, you know, kids got the super energetic and you got to just kind of, you understand that they're not, this is just, they're just being kids. And so when I picked Jay 4 up from school on Wednesday, I was talking to my mother on the phone because I got to wait out there in line and stuff. And he gets in the car and he kind of, he usually gets in the car, hey, dad. And this time he's like, hey. So he's a little down. I, okay, whatever. So I finished talking, I'm talking to my mom a little bit, about to hang up with her. And he's like, I can see him starting to like well up and start crying. Like, what? I said, what's wrong? I said, mom, I got to go. I got to go, mom. What's, what's the matter with you? I'm already short. I ain't had sleep. He's nothing. I was like, you, something's wrong. You crying in the back of the seat. We just got in the car. What's wrong? You know, the breathing you do to try to control the tears from falling out your eyes. He's doing that. Ain't nothing. I'm like, just tell me. He said, I got a bad grade on my test. I said, I said oh, Lord. I said, it's okay. Did you try your best? He said, I tried. I went over the problems and all this kind of stuff he's telling me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, and I'm already sure. I'm like, you okay. You can't make good grades all the time. And I'm trying to, you know, to the best of my ability out of not anger because I feel like he's crying for no reason. It's just a test. I mean, you in the third. What's going on? And so I'm like, who? Like, I'm like, look. I said, daddy make B's. Daddy make C's. D's get degrees. I said, you know, I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell her 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 that. I don't want to know that yet. Well, I'm talking to him, trying to tell him, you know, you can't be perfect. You cannot be perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. I even said, look, if I make you feel like you can't be perfect, you have to be perfect every single time, then I apologize. I'm doing all this. Stop crying. Stop crying. Like, he wouldn't stop. And he pulls out his green folder and hands me the test. And I look at the test. I kind of get mad when I look at this test, y'all. I said, J4. You missed one question. <laughs> like he's bawling over this one question. I said, you got a 95. And, and, and the question that he missed wasn't easy. He got two numbers flipped, and he should have got it right. But he feels like he should have got it right. I said, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. And I'm, I, I kind of get more mad and angry at him because it's like, you're crying over this. It's still an A. Come on, man. When you get college, they don't even care if it's an A. If a 91, 99, get the same amount of, like, I'm just, but, and, and I, one of the things I realized, and I had to come back and, I said, God, I know I'm short right now. I'm yelling at my son because he's mad he didn't get a perfect score. And, and he revealed this to me. He said, look, he said, this is, this is the saints of the old right now. This is where they're at. He said, they're mourning because they realize they missed the mark. He said, just how your son is mourning over this one missed 
question. He said, this is how you need to mourn over your sins. He said, too often we get so comfortable saying, well, I don't do what they do. This is all I do, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay right here. He said, no, 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 no. He said, when you miss the mark, you miss it, regardless if you miss one question or you miss 19 questions. And he said, this is what you see in this picture of these people that they realize they're not perfect, that they're messed up. Reading God's word revealed that to them. Reading God's word said, hey, you can't get right, and I need you to see what I see. And God said, you messed up. So God has called us to, to understand that we should mourn about our sins. We should mourn, and the only way we can do it is the reading of God's word. Y'all all right? Y'all still with me? Yeah? All right, here's nodding. All right, verse 6. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. This is a... If you don't know and you like these kind of details, this is the longest written prayer in the Bible, right? The longest written prayer, uh, and we read it in church today, so you can say you read the longest written prayer in church today. Uh, but this is the longest written prayer, and the cool thing about it, he starts, because they're reading the book of the law, he starts with creation. God created everything. For all that God created, we see that he preserves it. He's a provider, and so for those of you who are going through something, you know who God is, not because of uh, you know who God is because of what he's done in your life. He's brought you out of some things, and he's about to take us through all of that. God went from creation, they went from creation to, cap- to captivity in this, this prayer. And all that, they hit some of the highlights. Well, he created the heavens and the earth. We worship you, God. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abraham, brought him out of uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, and gave him the name Abraham. You found uh, his heart faithfully, faithful before you. Why is this important? Because God promised something to him. That his descendants were outnumbered the stars. Like, he's, he's, they're highlighting everything that God promised. He's righteous. We can walk in what God tells us that he has for us because he said it. We can take what God says to the bank because he's God. And we have to remember that and recognize who God is. And made with him the covenant to give his offspring the land of, the Can- of Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pezzarite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise. For you are righteous, and you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and you heard their cry at the, sea, at the Red Sea. And you performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers, and you made a name for yourself as it is this day. And so he went back a thousand years from when they're praying, and he said, hey, God, you made your name known. You revealed yourself to your people over and over again by allowing them, you separated them, you got them out of slavery, you separated the waters when they had their backs against the wall. You did some things. He's setting us up to see where our failures, God showed who he was. He's proven himself to you. For, them, for him, he went back a thousand years. For me, I can go back a day. Oh, God, you brought me this far. I can go back last week. I can go back three years ago and say, God, I know who you are because I've watched you fix my marriage. I've watched you change some things. God, i watched you bless me over and over and over again. Too often we forget what God has brought us to. And we'll see that with them. They, they saw some things, and yet and still they operated out of themselves. We see in verse 11 that God divided the waters for them. Verse 12, God guided them. He preserved them even in their mess-ups. God still had mercy for them. God still covered them. God still kept them. 
Verse 13 and 14, God gives them commandments. He tells them what they need to do. Verse 15, we still see God providing. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their necks and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that even, even after God revealed some things, they still did their own thing. I, this I'm a do me mentality that I have sometimes. Like, I'm, I'm my own word. That's what we said earlier. Like, I, I got this. I can handle this on my own, God. I'm going to do me. I appreciate what you did for us in Egypt by all, doing that old separating the wall, water thing. Like, it wasn't a big deal. I appreciate, God, what you did for us in the wilderness by literally allowing food to fall from heaven, for, for, for allowing water to come out of rocks. God, I appreciate all that you did, but I got this. And when we hear you step back, you think, why would we try to do it on our own? And we serve a God that literally allows food to fall from heaven. Why would I try to do this on my own? And he literally makes water come out of rocks. He's not limited to the, the, uh, the world and the rules that rely in it because he is the creator of it. Why wouldn't I trust God with my kids, my, my relationship, my spouse, my job, my finances? Why wouldn't I say, hey, God, you can have it all after knowing what he can do because he created everything. He's provided and he is a preserver. Why wouldn't I? But the only way we can get to this point, and they got here because they was reading the word. The word revealed some things to them. The, world, the, 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 the word opened up their mind to where they wasn't trusting in self. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. They wanted to go back after God did all that. But you are God, ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is not changing. We do. We see it and we still tend to go our own directions and do our own thing, how we want to do it, where we want to do it, when we want to do it, because we are, that's just the natural inclination. And so if, if I know that in my own mind and in my own strength, I'm going to want to do what I want to do, I have to stay connected to the source. Because if I'm not connected to the source, I become my own source, my own resource. I become the God of my story. And I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I have to stay connected. I have to get in my word. I have to pray. I have to. Because if I don't, I, I become stiff-necked. I become presumptuous, and I say, I got this. I can do this. God didn't change. We did. We do. And they did not forsake them. Verse 18, they built and worshiped the golden calf. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. He comes down. They worshiping a golden staff that they, calf that they created on their own, saying, this calf is the one that brought us out of Egypt. He was gone 30 days, and they said, well, th let's create something that, that we can worship. We get so caught up into our own idols, our own gods, and we think that we got us here. I got me this promotion because of my hard work. I got me this car. I got me all this stuff. So I need to maintain it. I need to keep it. Verse 19 through 25, we see God had mercy and provided. In verse 26, even though God did, they still, rebelled, they, they still rebelled. 27 through 29, God warned them and gave them people. Look, for those of you who might have been here this past summer, we went through this series where we were talking about Gideon, who was one of the judges. He literally, this prayer from reading the word goes from cre creation to captivity. And he's talking about now the cycle of what uh, happened in this judges. Remember we talked about they, God saves them. He does his thing. And they kind of bask in the glory of what God has done and they start doing the I'm going to do me kind of thing. Doing their own thing. 
They get caught up into the, the gods of the land of the time, not our God, the true God, but they're the other gods they begin to worship. Then they get caught up in slavery. They go through this cycle over and over again, crying out to God, God, save us. We need you. Then they say, well, I'm going to do me after you save me. That's what he's talking about. They kept this cycle. Some of us are in this cycle of, I'm going to do me. Well, God, save me. I'm going to do me. Please, God, save me. And God says, I want to bring you out of that. But you got to read your word. You got to trust me. You got to trust that the wilderness moments that you're going through in life right now, I know it's hard, but I got you. I will provide right where you at. If you trust me, if you let me, I got you. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets that they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are gracious and merciful. Their father's response to God's word was rebellion. After reading God's word, they realized there was a cycle that their, uh, this, their people were going through. The cycle of trusting in the world versus trusting in God. Doing their own thing versus doing what God has called them to. This past week, I was having discipleship groups right here, actually, with a couple guys. And uh, one of them brought this friend who's a non-believer. And we thought, oh, yeah, bring him in. It'd be a great opportunity for, you know, evangelism, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I truly believe that discipleship, one of the beauties of discipleship is this idea of confession. Like telling your messed up, your shortcoming, like, hey, just put it all out there on the table. You know, if you want to judge me, you can. But let me hear, you, let me hear your story, too. Don't judge me before you tell me yours. And so we're telling our stories and different things. And I, and I, and I told them that at one point, uh, at some points in my life, especially this past week, I said it was hard. And at times it can feel like being a pastor, being a father, being a husband, like being a lot of things to a lot of different people becomes mundane, right? Uh, it seems more chorish than like I get blessed from it. And so I'm expressing just like, oh, I'm hurting this week, you know, and it could be the sleep deprivation, or it could be other things, but I'm going through. And the non-believer says, you know, I have a friend. And it's a beautiful thing that God can speak to, to and through whomever he wants. He said, it's a beautiful, he, he said, I have a friend who has a boat. He said, he was on his boat, and the, the guy was complaining about, you know, how he has to clean his boat and has to do this, all the different things that he has to do about his boat. And he said, he said, you know, then I realized I have a boat. I get to clean my boat. It's my boat. I get to handle it and take care of my boat. And he said, you know, for him, the non-believer, he said, you know, for me after that, I, I realized there are some things in my life that I do feel like is chorish or that it's about me. And I get upset. He said, but I get to do it. And then I had to step back to, okay, God, what are you saying? God said, you get to serve. He said, you get to worship the most high God for hours if you want. He said, this is a buffet that will never run out. This spiritual buffet, you, you can come whenever you want, however you want. You can be dressed a certain way. You can come whenever you want to me. He said, you get to worship me. You get to serve me. He said, stop thinking this is a chore. He said, have I always taken care of you? I said, yes, God, you have. You know, God, that's how I talk to God. He's beating me up. He's sarcastic with me because I'm sarcastic, period, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and he's telling me all these things. He said, you get to serve. You get to give. You get to do these things. You get to, to allow people to see who I am through you. I chose you. I, you get to do these things. I said, you're right, God. You're right. You're right. 
I appreciate you guys for doing that, for talking to him to me, because I needed to hear it. I needed to hear that I get to worship a God of the universe who said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He said, I'm right there by your side. He said, you're hurting? I got you. He said, come to me, all you weary. Are you hurting? Come to me, I got you. Are you not hurting? Come to me, I got you. God said, I got you. He said, you just got to come to me. So we get an opportunity to worship God. Y'all all right? Yeah, talking to me. All right, we're almost done. Now, therefore, our God, the great, I love how he starts this, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who keeps, God's never changing, covenant and steadfast love. Let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous, God's never changing, in all that you have and all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our, fa- and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your, your warnings that you gave them. He's saying they missed the mark. We all missed the mark. Remember, the first part is the, the beginning, the preamble. He's setting us up. He goes through all the mark missing that they got. Now he's telling you, God, I recognize that we've messed up. Even in their own kingdom, in a major great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Even, God, the stuff you gave them, they still messed up. When you gave them riches, when you gave them land, when you went through all that, they still messed up. We miss it. God, you provided us blessings, and we dropped the ball. God, we need you. And look what he says. He says, behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave us. Y'all catch, he's literally saying we're slaves in a place we're supposed to be kings, in a place we're supposed to have dominion over. In this, in this world, we, we become captivated so much by culture in this world that they control us instead of us controlling them. They have more impact on us than us having impact on them. This is what he's saying. God, you told us this world was ours, that we should have dominion over it, but yet and still we give in to what the world says and the culture says. We hide behind what the world says and the culture says instead of being Christians first, believers first, and walking in him first. We allow all the other titles and all the other things to say, oh, I'm this and I'm that. God, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat first. I'm I'm, I'm going to uh, do whatever, God, I want to do. And I'm going to put you second. I'm going to put you on the background. He's saying, God, we were supposed to have this land. We were supposed to have dominion over it. But yet and still, we chose to do us. We chose to do our own thing. He said, he says, and he says, the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy his fruit and his good gifts, behold, we are slaves in the land, God, that you gave us. And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our own sin. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock. The world controls us over our livestock as they please, and we are, are in a great distress. He's crying out to God saying, God, we've messed up because of our own sin. I recognize what our fathers have done. Now I recognize what I've done. We have to get to a place where we understand that we're part of the problem. We're the sinners. There's no point in fingers in this. And this is what we're trying to get people to understand about this capital campaign. It's bigger than a building. It's bigger than a building. It's greater than that because the ministry don't stop there. I truly believe where, where your, your heart is, that's where your, you know, your treasures go. And so if your heart's in your job, you're going to spend a lot of time at work. If your heart's in your kids, you're going to spend a lot of time with your kids, finances, whatever. If your heart's in whatever the thing may be, you fill in the blank. That's where it goes. 
We're not asking you to have a necessarily this heart to where you say, give us all your money. No, we want your heart to be in God. And you respond to that through his word, through your praise, through your worship, through your fasting and praying. That's how we want you to respond. So I'm not asking you to give all you got. When Sierra and I first came to the church, we were in the capital campaign, or we started a capital campaign. Like, I, we first came on staff, and I'm like, what's a capital campaign? What are they trying to do? They want us to get what? For the next what? To build what? Uh, ain't nobody got time for that. I said, you know what I, like, came here, what y'all paid me? You want me to get more? <laughs> this album, just, can I be real with y'all? Uh, I guess I can't. I'm sorry. Retract that, take that out, edit that. <laughs> so I came here and we was praying about it. So, all right, all we can do, I'm just give you done. We said we're going to do $50 a month. It was an 18 month thing. It's about $900. And I'm like, that's what we can do. I'm pretty sure some of y'all was giving that a month. I was like, I don't, this is what we got, guys. I said, I, ain't, I don't even know what they're doing. They just hired me. They're asking me to give more money on top of everything else. And this is the things going on in my mind. And you can be real with yourself and talk to yourself or whomever. But a lot of these things go on in our minds when we talk about money and the giving in the church. And you're like, they want more? They won't even pay tithes, and then they won't pay some more. Nah. And so I went through that first campaign like that. And, and, and then the second one came, and I said, God, what do, you, what do you want us to do? What do you really want us to do? I said, I want to do more. I said, you want me to double it since it's double? He said, nah, I'll go a little bit higher. <laughs> and so we, we, we've been praying, and, and our number, we, we said, we want to do 10 times what we gave before? He's like, nah, I want you to go a little higher. I did this three years, and I said, okay, God, we want to trust you. We want to be faithful. God, we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part of this, God. I get to watch you work. I get to have faith and see how you provide over the next few years, not just for us, and not just for me and my family, God, for this church, Grove Grace Community Church. I get to see what you're doing. And so I'll trust you, God, with whatever you want me to give, with whatever you want me to give. And as a staff, one of the things we did, we said, all right, staff and elders, we're going to give our commitments early to tell the church. And so I'm going to give you the number that the staff and the elders got, gave. It's $640,000, $640,400, right? And, and that's the staff, and that's what we've committed to give over the next 36 months. Now, people hear that number, like, oh, that's a big number. Oh, that's so big, I don't really have to give as much. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're not saying either. But uh, God wants you to have faith and trust him. And so if, if your response to reading God's word through this series and going forth, if your response is, God, I need to give $5 a month, that's when I give, then that's okay. It's bigger than this. What God, if that's what God gives you, he's going to work it out. That's why I'm not tripping. We get to be a part of this. We can hold on to his covenant, his promise, because it says he's a righteous God. You see, with them, what they said, their response to God's word was a covenant. They made a commitment to God first. That's where the commitment came, to God. I'm not asking you to commit everything. I'm asking you to commit to reading your word, to praying, to trusting God through this. And whatever God gives you, trust him. Talk to him. Trust him. Because if God said you can do it, he's going to take you through it. Amen? And that's where we're at. And so we have to get your face to where we're committed. And so my question for you today is this. What is your response to God? Because it's easy to, easy to respond to, to Joseph Aiken or Chris Flagenpole or James or Grayson, one of us on staff, Joel, the elders. What is your response to God? How are you responding to who God is in your life and what he's called you to and where he's calling, call, calling you to go and move and how are you doing that? Because if you're like me, it's easy. I, I promise you, that first uh, capital campaign we th went through, I had excuses. 
for what I couldn't do. I didn't want to sacrifice. I didn't want to be uncomfortable at all. I was already uncomfortable where I was. I was like, God, you, you just pulling us harder than we want to go. And God says, I need you to trust me through this. And so as we go through this series and as we get to next Sunday being your commitment, saying this is what I'm going to commit, I'm not asking you to, to sell your home, sell your car. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you to respond to God. How do you do that? You can't respond to something that you're not in front of. You can't respond in a healthy way, I would say. You can respond however you want, but God is calling you to be in his presence by the reading of his word, by trusting in who he is. God is calling you to respond to his word by remembering what he's brought you out of and all the people of God, what he's brought us out of and what he's brought us from. Because he's called us to have dominion in the domain that we're in. He said, I need you to take back what is yours that I gave you. And the only way we do that, this is how we do this. This is where the elders and, and, and pastors, this is where they're leading us through. They, they've called us to this new place in Blessed Creek. And I know it gets hard and you're like, ah, some people get in their feelings. If, if you're here, you're going through the process, again, don't respond to us. Respond to God. And if God, because we have somebody t- t- talking us through these different things, everyone responds differently. And if we can be real, some people have left the church because of a capital campaign. No one wants to hear that. Some people have come to the church. Some people are excited about giving. I've had conversations, oh, I can't wait. Some people are like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not me, I'll just say that. <laughs> no, but I get to be a part of this. We get to have fun. We get to to praise God and worship who God is and what he's done for us. And it reminds me that, that I missed the mark. I messed up, and I get to be a part of this. And this is why we take communion, right? There's little communion cups in front of you. But this is why we take communion, because we are not perfect. We messed up. We fall short. We can't get all 19 questions right. No one can, other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so on the night that he was betrayed, he had bread, he took it, he broke it, and he told him, look, this is my body, which I break for you. And if I can fast forward to if, if Jesus was in the presence of us right now, I think he'd say, you messed up so much, but I still died. Knowing that you would mess up again, I'm still here. And so before you prepare, or as you prepare your communion and you get ready to take, I want to take 30 seconds, just 30 seconds. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God just to reveal the darkness of your heart. Confess some things over the next 30 seconds. Just pray to God. Just knowing that he is God. He's God by himself. He don't need us. He sent Jesus for us. And for those of you who are non-believers and you're wondering, well, I want access to God like that. This is an opportunity. Like this is a this is inclusive. This is for us. So if you want to be a part of, you want to give your life to Christ right now. This is an opportunity for you to do that. And so as we make ready and we get ready, and I'll pray us through this thing. I want to get ready and say, God, we give you everything because it's already yours. Father God, we thank you. God, we love you for who you are, and uh, there is none like you. And so as we prepare our hearts and we prepare our minds to uh, take communion, God, I, I confess that I'm not the best at all. 
because I've just been short with my wife, kids, God. And I need your forgiveness because I've messed up. Now, my thoughts aren't perfect. My walk's not perfect, God, but I need you. I need you to fill in the blanks that I can't. God, I need you to be the strength because I'm weak. God, I need all that from you. God, I love you for who you are and what you've done. There's none like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He told them to take and eat all of it, and they did. Then he took the wine, and he said, this is his blood. The blood represented a new covenant. He told them to drink it, and they did. God, we thank you. We love you. God, we praise you. God, I pray that we can respond to you. God, we can respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We serve an awesome God, a mighty God, a great God. Our response to God shouldn't be one in fear, but of faith. And this is what God is calling us to. You see, they had forgotten the signs and wonders that God had done for them, for their people. And God is saying, I want to do something great, not just to you, but through you. He said, I don't expect you to go all the way, because if you could go all the way by yourself, then you wouldn't need me. But I expect you to walk with me so you can watch me take you through some things that you never thought you'd be able to experience to go through. He said, but you got to have faith in me. And then I'll be faithful to my word. If I said I'll do it, I'll take you through it. If I said I'll do it, watch me work. God just needs your presence. You step in there and then you watch God fill in the gap. You watch God carry you the rest of the way. He doesn't expect you to go all the way. So stop not reading your word. Stop making it about you. Don't allow yourself to be the only word you hear. God said, let me put something in you. Because the reality of it is, is that your reaction externally can only happen, it only happens with what's internal. How you respond externally to the world, to people, to your relationships, it happens first with what's inside of you. And you can only respond with what's inside of you. And so what are you filling yourself up with? What are you putting inside of you to respond with the word of God? To respond in godly matters. God doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. He wants all of you on today. So right now, as you get ready to leave, I challenge you to push back darkness by reading the word of God more, by praising God more, by taking a chance on God because he's faithful of his word. Watch him work. Pray more than six minutes. Do it. Read your Bible another six minutes. If you're feeling real good, go ahead and try to fast. And watch God do something in your life that's different. Watch him reveal some things about himself to you that you never would have thought would happen. It's supposed to be challenging because if it wasn't, everyone would do it. The voices of the world and everything else are louder around you. So my challenge for you today is really respond to God. Stand in his presence and allow him to speak to you. So as you leave this place, never from God's presence trust in who he is in your life and know that he is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can think or ask we serve 
an awesome God. I want you to go and have an awesome week of worship. You are saved.